they would like to have all of these workers invisible. As I said before, like in slavery times, you know, where the people that did all of the work, that nobody would really see them doing the work. And this is the kind of a situation that we have. It's Legends Week on the special report. From Reverend Jesse Jackson to my next guest, Dolores Huerta, we are talking to this nation's iconic social justice warriors. Dolores Huerta is a legendary labor leader and civil rights activist. Along with Cesar Chavez, she co-founded the National Farm Workers Association, which later became the United Farm Workers Union. Ms. Huerta received a Presidential Medal of Freedom and was the first Latina inducted into the National Women's Hall of Fame. In California, April 10th is Dolores Huerta Day. Welcome to the show, to the show, Ms. Huerta. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. Thank you very much for inviting me. You have been on the front lines fighting for the rights of workers for six or seven decades. Uh, and we know in 1962, you formed the National Farm Workers Association with Cesar Chavez to advocate for the rights of farm workers. And you've continued that fight. So when you see what's happening now, Ms. Huerta, with, with farm workers around COVID-19, you know, how does that make you feel when we look at the disproportionate number of those workers that are being infected and actually dying from COVID-19? Well, I think it is shameful uh, because, it, you know, at the beginning of the pandemic, uh, farm workers were never included in the recognition of essential workers. And uh, they were like the invisible workforce out there. Like, we you know, so many people of color have always been the invisible workforce that keeps everything running. And anyway, and, uh, and we have seen the consequences of this now because so many of the farm workers in the Central Valley of California, which is now one of the big hot points that we have throughout the country, uh, where we see that the pandemic is uh, continuing to, to move very fast and to infect so many people. And I, I think it's a tragedy. And it really lies down in the way that the farm worker system is structured. We have these big agribusiness corporations. This is not a, a state in California of small family farmers. We, we are agribusiness. So a small farm in California would be a thousand workers. And the employers are not directly connected with their workers. You know, their offices are in Los Angeles or San Francisco. Uh, and so the workers are out there uh, literally at the mercy of the labor contractors of the foreman. And many of them are not really up to snuff, we might say, about the way that workers should be treated. And so from the very beginning, they were not given uh, the instructions that they needed. They were not given the protective equipment that they needed. They had to go to work. I mean, there was no choice. They had to go to work. They're, they're feeding the nation. And so now we see the results of all of this neglect, which was totally unnecessary. On many farms, the farm workers actually had to come out on strike. Basically, they had to walk out because they knew that some of their co-workers were, were infected, and yet the employers would give them no protection at all. So I think it's, it's, it's really, really sad that this had to happen. And, and you, you talk about those workers, Ms. Huerta. We know that a large percentage of those farm workers uh, don't have legal immigration status. And as a result, they don't have access to health insurance. 
They don't have paid uh, you know, sick time. They don't have access to unemployment insurance. So actually they're having to make the decision between life or death, literally reporting that they have COVID-19 symptoms and seeking out medical help versus you know, continuing to work and knowing that they could be infecting others. Is there anything that's being done to provide any kind of protection, you know, to make sure there's any kind of testing or medical care for those workers? Well, we do see that uh, just uh, this last week, they started doing some mass testing of farm workers. Uh, but even then, we have heard that some workers have said that they don't want to get tested uh, because uh, they are afraid if they do have COVID that they won't be able to go to work. And so then what happens, and as you mentioned, the undocumented workers, uh, you know, they don't get unemployment insurance uh, because they're not covered by unemployment insurance. Um, and the other thing we have to look at is that the, in the other states of the United States of America, farm workers don't even have that. They don't have unemployment insurance. So uh, that makes it even worse because California and Hawaii are the only two states in the whole country that have a full unemployment uh, insurance coverage for farm workers. So that kind of shows you, shows you how behind the times we are in terms of treating that group of uh, workers, of the farm workers. But, and you know, this really comes down to racism because we know that the majority of farm workers are, are, are black and brown people. And uh, they're the ones that are doing this very heavy lifting. And uh, as always, you know, the dis discrimination really manifests itself in times like this when we have a pandemic like this one. Is there any oversight, Ms. Huerta, in terms of farm workers? You know, as you just said, that they're now being recognized as essential workers. We know that OSHA, you know, regulates a workplaces. Is there any, you know, similar body, federal or state body, that's going into those uh, farms and making sure that there are at least some minimum safety protection for these workers? Well, actually, in California, we do have uh, the Agricultural Labor Relations Act, under which they would have the authority to go in, into those farms and and really communicate with workers and tell workers. And it's not the workers, we have to think about it, it's the employers, okay? It's the people that are hiring the workers. They're the ones that are responsible or should be responsible for providing them the protective equipment, uh, for uh, making systems in the workplace so that workers don't have to be right next to each other. You know, so I think the responsibility lies really with the employers because they are the ones that should know what to do and when to do it and how to do it. And I know you've you've seen uh, Mitch McConnell uh, talk about the uh, you know the importance for him and the GOP senators in terms of this next stimulus bill having a provision that literally shields employers from any liability uh, that employees you know face in terms of getting contracting COVID in the workplace, dying from COVID in the workplace. What are your thoughts about how you know we as Americans can prevent? you know, uh, the Republican Senate from enacting a law that would literally make it impossible for the workers that we're talking about to have any recourse, you know, if they are, you know, stricken with COVID in the workplace. Well, uh, I have to say for them, it's business as usual uh, because they really don't respect working people in the first place. We know uh, the Republican Party is very anti-union to begin with. Uh, so it denies workers organizations the right to be able to organize and help workers in the first place. And they, they would like to have all of these workers invisible. As I said before, like in slavery times, you know, where the people that did all of the work that nobody would really see them doing the work. And this is the kind of a situation that we have. So maybe one good thing that will come out of this whole situation is that people will finally realize 
that all of these essential workers that do so much for our country that they need to be recognized. They need to be paid well, and they definitely need to have the kind of health coverage and attention that they need. So, uh, but in the meantime, uh, we do have this terrible, terrible situation here in the Central Valley of California. You know, when we think about the Central Valley of California, we're only one of four or five areas in the whole world that has the type of climate that we have so that we can grow, we can grow all of these uh, beautiful fruits and vegetables, you know, that we feed the nation and in other parts of the world. And yet, this is a treasure that we have, but the people who do the work are not being given, you know, the recognition they, they need. They are really the treasures that we have and they need to be recognized as such and treated the, the way that they, that they should be treated for everything that they do to keep us fed. Why do you think there is this, this such a large disconnect? You just said something so important and that's these workers feed the nation. And without their labor, without their work, these farms wouldn't exist. They wouldn't be able to provide, you know, fresh fruits and vegetables and, and, and food to the grocery stores that then make, you know, its way into Americans, you know, to restaurants and to homes. Why do you think there's such a, a disconnect between the value of these workers? Uh, you know, why aren't they treated with more respect and reverence given the important work that they do? Well, the roots of it are, are really racism. You know, it comes, as I said before, from slavery days when people were not recognized for the work that they were doing. And since most of the workers uh, that work out there in the fields are people of color, uh, Latinos, African-Americans, Filipinos, et cetera, you know, that, that's why they're not given the recognition. And, you know, because before, when we first started organizing farm workers, they didn't even have toilets. One of the big victories that we had uh, with the great boycott and all those people out there that supported the great boycott was just getting toilets in the fields for workers, for men and for women, because there's a lot of women out there that are also working. And when you think about how de demeaning that is, you know, and dehumanizing that is, I think, I think that's kind of the root of the problem. So now hopefully people will see that these workers, you know, we should really be praise them, we should be grateful to them, we should thank them uh, for working out there and for risking their lives for us as they're doing now. Well, thank you so much, uh, Ms. Huerta, for you raising your voice, not just in, in today's you know, uh, you know, situation around COVID-19 and its impact on essential workers and particularly those farm workers, but literally your, your lifetime of dedication to issues uh, around social justice and fighting for the rights of, of labor uh, and fighting for the rights really of all people of color uh, and just being such a, a powerful female voice. We, we need more powerful female voices like yours uh, on these issues. So great deal of gratitude uh, we owe to you. And thank you for you know just never giving up, never giving up on, on workers and never giving up on this country. I would like to add that, you know, people can help us right now because we know that the HEROES Act is uh, right now being considered in the Senate. And uh, part of the HEROES Act in the bill that passed the House, the House of Representatives, there is what they call a hazard pay uh, that would be given to people like the farm workers and could include the undocumented workers. So we know that that bill is being considered right now in the Senate. So if people would hear our voices, if they could really call their senators right now and say, please pass the HEROES Act and please include the hazard pay for all essential workers, not only the farm workers, but all of these other workers that are working out there that are risking their lives. Uh, and uh, and uh, one, one other thing I might wanna add to that too, is that so many of these families and the children are also suffering because now the children have had to stay at home uh, for the last five months. 
And guess what? There are many of these rural areas, they do not have broadband. And so even if they do have uh, computers, which many schools are, are lending the children, they are, they're not able to access because they don't have uh, any Wi-Fi. This is also part of the HEROES Act, and that is a provision in the HEROES Act also. So there's a lot in the HEROES Act that will uh, alleviate some of the conditions that we're talking about right now. So tell everybody, please, you know, pick up the phone. You know, like Michael Moore said, you know, when you get up in the morning, what do we do? We wash our face, we brush our teeth, and then we call our congressperson, okay? <laughs> in this case, we want to call our senators and say, please get off the dime here. We need that, that HEROES Act voted on and passed as soon as possible. Well, spoken as a true champion and advocate, thank you so much, Ms. Huerta, for reminding us that we don't have to be uh, you know, quiet. We don't have to be silent or feel powerless. There's something we can do that everyone can do. We can pick up the phone, send an email, uh, you know, reach out to our senator on social media, but get involved and do something because those workers are so important and they need to have our support. So again, yeah. thank you for your tireless work on this issue. No, you're welcome. Thank you very much. Thanks for joining me for this episode of A Special Report. Please take a moment to share, subscribe, and rate this podcast. I always want to hear your thoughts. You can share your comments with me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn by following at Ariva Martin. Thanks and be safe out there.